This is the Core Life Training Podcast with Jeff Olson. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for checking out the Core Life Training Podcast. This is the preseason episode number three. And our guest MC for this episode is Sherry Wilson. Uh, maybe MC is uh, a little bit too strong of a word. Uh, MCs probably get to do a little bit more than just introduce a podcast. Maybe in the future here we'll let our uh, guest MCs do do more than that. I know Sherry and her husband Don from a bunch of Core Life Training classes that we've done over in Sisters, Oregon. It's always great to be with them. They love Jesus. They love the Bible. They love studying. They always have great questions and uh, great interactions. So I look forward to being back uh, with those guys again here real soon. Thank you so much, Sherry, for the introduction to this week's episode. And if you want to be a guest MC on the Core Life Training Podcast, all you have to do is record a voice memo on your phone saying, this is the Core Life Training Podcast with Jeff Olson. Be creative, be funny, uh, be serious, whatever you want to do, just be you. And then email it to me at jeff at corelifetraining.org. And we'll use you as a guest MC for one of our episodes. All right, in our last episode, I gave you part one of the one and only sermon I've ever done on politics. It's called The Problem with America and the Solution for Change. It comes from the fall of 2008, and uh, we're eight years later, but so many of the issues are still the same. Uh, last episode was part one, in which we discussed the core problem with our country, which is not first and foremost a financial problem or a political problem, or a Republican or a Democratic problem. It's a problem with the human heart. And we have to be super clear about what the problem actually is, that we identify it correctly, because if we misidentify the problem, we're going to spend a lot of time developing solutions that really only deal with symptoms, not the root or the core of the problem. In this episode, we're going to look at what is not the solution to the problem of the heart, and to give you a little bit of a spoiler, the solution is not more laws. It's not legislation. If you've ever done a Bible read-through, you've seen that God gave Israel a ton of laws, uh, so many that you almost can't stand reading them by the time you're in the middle of Leviticus. Uh, and that doesn't seem to have solved the problem of their idolatry. So I'm going to show you from Scripture that our hope for America and change in America can't be passing more laws or a legislative solution to our problem. So grab a Bible, grab a notebook and your drink of choice, and let's get down to business. So you see what I'm saying? The problem in this country is not a political problem first. Oh, there's one all right. It's a heart problem first. And if it's not a political problem, then the solution is not going to be a what? Political solution worked out through laws and legis legislation. It just won't work that way. Let me give you an example. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 19. And I'll show you how laws don't fix the problem of a bad heart. Exodus is way back at the beginning. It's the second book of the Bible. And chapter 19 is after chapters 1 through 18. In Exodus chapter 19, just to catch up to the story, God has brought the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. He miraculously delivered them from slavery. He conquered Egypt's army. And now all of a sudden, the nation of Israel is free. 
and they've come up to the mountain of God, and God is going to meet with them, and he's going to create an agreement between them. Hey, you are my people, and I'm your God. Isn't this going to be good? Okay? You love me with all your heart. I love you. You follow me. You listen to me. You trust me like this. So in Exodus 19, the Lord says, will you listen to my voice and keep my covenant? In verse 4, you, you've seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagle's wings. I brought you to myself. Now then listen, if you will indeed listen to my voice. Your English text probably says obey my voice, doesn't it? Literally the text says, listen to my voice. The Lord says, look, here's the deal. When I talk, you listen. Very simple. If you listen to my voice and keep my covenant. And by the way, there are no rules yet. There's no covenant to keep. There's not a whole list of laws. So the the Lord's creating a very simple system here. He's listen to me, follow me, it's all going to be fine. Then you'll be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you will be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And the Lord in Exodus 19, uh, verse 13, says to Moses, Listen, don't let all the people come up the mountain yet. Tell them to get ready for three days. And on the third day, they're going to come up the mountain. You bring them on up the mountain. And then we're going to meet together. Me and my people are going to meet together. It's going to be great. And I'll make them my people right here on the mountain. But three verses later, in verse 16, it came about on the third day when it was morning that there was thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet so that all the people who were in the camp, what? They were afraid? Verse 17, and Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. Where? Up on the mountain, like God said, just come on, listen to me. Just come on up. That's the deal. So Moses brings them out of the camp to go up the mountain and meet God, but they stood They took their stand, the text says, at the foot of the mountain. No way! We're not going up there. Uh Uh-uh. And so the Lord says, all right, well, I guess if it wasn't clear to you or you can't handle the freedom of just listen to me and trust me, (laughs) let me give you ten rules, ten laws to kind of spell it out for you just a little bit more. So this is Exodus chapter 20. Right, the beginning of Exodus chapter 20, all the way up through verse uh, 17 and 18. So what does he say? You've got to have no other gods before me. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Remember the Sabbath day. Honor your father and mother. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Okay, in other words, look, let me just spell out this thing a little bit because Obviously, you don't want to just listen to me and trust me. That's a heart problem, by the way. So let me just give you some rules here to solve that. Verse 18, all the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and they what? Came up the mountain to meet their God, right? Just like the Lord said. They listened to the voice and came and met their God. Now what does it say? They stood at a distance And they said to Moses, you speak to us yourself and we will listen to you. What did the Lord say earlier? Listen to me. And they say, "Uh uh-uh, Moses will listen to you. But don't let God talk to us. Well, all right then. (laughs) Exodus chapter 20, 
all the way through 32, if you've ever done a Bible read through. All, I mean, it was a great story up till now, and all of a sudden it's just law after law after law after rule after rule. Right? You can't even barely stand it. Okay, so the Lord's like, all right, your heart doesn't want to listen to me and trust me, so let me give you just a few more rules to spell it out. Exodus 32. You'd think we'd get it together by now, right? So Moses is now up on the mountain talking with the Lord, and he's getting just all these rules about uh, the way that it's supposed to go, all the rules about the covenant and the tabernacle and how to build the tabernacle so that uh, God can dwell there and people can worship and this whole thing. Exodus 32. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, they assembled around Aaron and said to him, Come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't even know what's become of him. And Aaron said to them, All right, well, that sounds like a good idea. I'll make you a God. So what? Give me all your earrings, give me all your jewelry, give me all your gold, and all like that. Bring them to me. So they did all that stuff. And he fashioned all of this uh, jewelry and gold with a graving tool and into a molten calf. And they said, now he makes a golden calf, an idol, a god now to lead them. And they all said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Now, yeah. Now when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. The calf. Let's celebrate a party. So the next day they rose early and offered burnt offerings to this idol. And they brought peace offerings to this idol. And the people sat down to eat and to drink. And they rose up to get it on. Your text probably says something like, they rose up to play. Yeah, play all right. It's very immoral. So then the Lord tells Moses, uh, you might want to go down and check out your people. <laughs> your parents ever say that to you? But you know, they say about you? That's your son over there. I don't even know him. When he's good, he's my kid. When he's bad, he's your kid. The Lord says to Moses, you better go down to your people down there. Uh, sounds like a little bit of a ruckus is going on. And what, what does the Lord say? They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. And the way that I commanded them was simply listen to me. Trust me. Right? They don't love me with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They've turned aside. They've made for themselves a molten calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed. I have seen this people, verse 9, they are an obstinate people. That is, their heart is hard. See, the problem with Israel here is a hard heart. They don't love God. They love idols. And they love themselves. So Moses comes down the mountain, can't believe what's going on. He says, Aaron, what the heck's going on? He said, I don't know, man, all the people brought their jewelry and we threw it into the fire and out popped this calf. Holy cow, it's amazing. I didn't even mean it, and it was funny. <laughs> so Exodus 35 then, all the way through Leviticus 16, is what's known as the priestly code. 
Well, now there's all kinds of rules about who gets to go into the tabernacle, what they're supposed to wear. They got to wear an ephod made out of linen, and it's got stones and tassels and all kinds of bells and whistles and all kinds of great stuff on it. And when they can come in and what kind of sacrifices they have to bring and all, well, just law after law after law after rule after rule. Uh, turn in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 17. This is going to, all these laws are going to solve the problem of the bad heart of Israel right here. This is where it gets solved by law. So the Lord says in verses 1 to 6, listen, tell Aaron and all of the sons of Israel, and say, this is what the Lord commanded, uh, if you, any man from the house of Israel who slaughters an ox or a lamb or a goat in the camp, or who slaughters it outside the camp and has not brought it to the doorway of the tent of meeting to present it as an offering to the Lord before the tabernacle of the Lord, blood guiltiness is to be reckoned to that man. In other words, the Lord's saying, now listen, you don't get to worship me any old way you want. You don't get to take an ox out into the field. You don't get to go up a hill. You don't get to go under a big tree. You get to worship me the way I say. You obviously all can't figure it out on your own. Let me spell it out here. Verse 7. They shall no longer sacrifice their sacrifices to the goat demons. Is that what your text says? Goat demons? Goat idol? Goat demons. Are you joking me? I mean, we got law after law after law about what it means to worship and how you can worship and can't worship, and they're off what? Worshiping the goat demons. Why? Because they have a hard heart. So Leviticus 17 all the way to 25 is what's called the holiness code, and this is about like, you know, uh, for seven days you've got to stay outside the camp if you get pus on your arm, and then you're unclean, and you've got to go out like, you know, like... Just at this point, you've quit your Bible read through. You're done. You're like, I just can't even bear it any longer. It's like, where's the Gospel of Matthew or something that I can read? And what the Pentateuch is teaching, and the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay? Those five books are one big story, and what they're teaching is that the law is not the solution to the human heart, it never was. The Lord kept piling on law after law. They had all kinds of laws against idolatry. But they were still what? Idolaters. All kinds of laws against fornication and immorality. And what? They were fornicating and immoral. All kinds of laws against injustice and ripping people off. But they were what? Unjust and ripping people off. And that's the story of the whole Old Testament. Is that no one could, did, or even tried to get their act together by the law, and there was nothing really wrong with the law, like it's not like God's laws were bad and faulty, they just don't have the power to change the human heart, right? So law can't be the solution to the human heart. Look, man, America, we have laws, don't we? It's illegal in this country to murder people, and it happens all the time. It's illegal in this country to steal things. Just read the, you know, the Gresham Outlook. I love the little Gresham Outlook, the little blotter thing. This bonehead, you know, ripped off something from this house, and the police caught him and beat him. Oh, sorry, I just added that. My bad. Did I say that out loud? 
look, this is just a quick aside. If you're dumb enough to go into somebody's house and steal some, you should get beaten by the police. Like, sorry, it's personal opinion. Like what? You should get free cable TV and three square meals a day? Poor people in our country don't get that stuff, but you should be a thief and you can get all that. It's ridiculous. Sorry, that's a little editorializing on my part there. Back to the text. You see what the Pentateuch is saying? Law is not the pro- uh, solution to the problem of the human heart. We have all kinds of laws against murder and theft and corruption, and people still do it all the time. You don't think there's laws against the kind of corruption that's gone on on Wall Street to bring out this sort of problem? Sure there are. It's just smart people who are greedy have figured out ways through, around, over, and under them. It's called loopholes. To get what they want. People still do it because what? Their heart is bad. I know, I know. You were taught as a child in public grade school that all people are basically good. Every kid is basically good, and if you just put him in a good environment, he'll do good things. And it's the problem is like he doesn't get enough education. His mommy didn't love him enough. No, the scriptures say the problem with the human heart is it is what? Bent inward entirely. That's the problem. And you cannot legislate your way out of it. See what I'm saying? More laws, different laws, better laws. Democratic laws, Republican laws, independent party laws will not solve America's problem. Now listen, let me just be honest here. Don't get me wrong. We should have laws in this country. I'm not advocating that we shouldn't. Okay? We should have laws that if you kill people, uh, you're in big fat trouble. And I shan't elaborate on the kind of trouble I think you should be in. Okay, we should have laws against things like murder. We should have laws that reflect justice, righteousness, compassion, and mercy. Our laws should reflect that stuff. If you have a Bible, turn in Deuteronomy chapter 27. It's the fifth book of the Bible. Again, back towards the beginning. Deuteronomy 27, verse 19. The Lord, when he gave laws to Israel... Because their hearts were hard and they were greedy and selfish and self-oriented, had to give them lots of laws about how to be just and equal with each other. How to be fair, how to take care of poor people and all like that. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 27, uh, I believe it's verse 19. Cursed is he who distorts the justice that's due to an alien, that's a foreigner, Cursed is he who distorts justice to an alien, to an orphan, and a widow. And all the people shall say amen. Now they don't want to say amen, but the Lord says they have to say amen. The Lord has to tell them, stop ripping off poor people. It's against the law. When foreigners show up in your land, take good care of them. Don't be mean. When widows are in need, I I can't believe I have to tell you this. Would you please take care of the widows in your land? Right? If you loved your neighbor as yourself, I wouldn't have to give you the law, but since you don't, i got to give you the law. We should have laws that reflect justice and righteousness and compassion and mercy. Uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. Proverbs is right down the middle of your Bible. And right about this time in most conservative evangelical churches, a guy will get up and he'll grab this passage 
And he'll preach this mother right here. This is a good one. This verse, I mean. Did I say something other than verse? I meant verse. 1434. Righteousness, what? Exalts a nation. Woo! So let's vote in righteousness. At least as we see it. And so then comes a long campaign of mobilizing you to vote and a particular party's platform and a particular set of ballot measures and all that because righteousness exalts a nation. The truth is it does exalt a nation. Laws should be righteous and just and fair and equitable and compassionate and merciful. There should be laws against murder for crying out loud. There should be laws against abortion because killing babies isn't any more right than killing adults. It's amazing. I was looking at dog laws in the state of Oregon. You know, it's like a misdemeanor if you abuse a dog in this state. It can, if you bump it up, if you're really mean to a dog, it can bump up to a Class C felony, which will potentially maximally get you five years and 125000 bucks. So if you're really, really mean and torturous to a dog, it can become a Class C felony. Well, maybe babies can, okay, if they're not human beings, could they at least get dog status? Right, can we at least put them in a category, like if we're going to protect dogs? There should be laws against this kind of nonsense. There should be laws that also help the poor, not just rich people. There should be laws that make sure kids get education, and not a junk education, a good education. And all kids can have access to that stuff. There should be laws that reward hard work, not laziness or greed. There should be laws for all this stuff, because that stuff would reflect what? Justice and righteousness and compassion and mercy. So there should be laws about that stuff. And when those laws come up, you should vote for them. So here you go. Go vote. When the law reflects righteousness and justice and mercy and compassion, even if it costs you a little bit more on your taxes. I know we're big believers in sort of a conservative world that nobody should tax me more. Well, how do you think schools get paid for? Well, they have enough money. Oh, right. That's fine. But the big value is not justice and equity and fairness to poor people. The big value is what? Don't you dare tax me anymore. I don't want to be paying for somebody else's library. Are you joking me? Okay, we can't have it both ways. We can't marry sort of the moral platform of one party that we think and sort of just ignore the rest of the thing. There should be laws about this stuff, but let us not be confused. Now here, we're going to get right down to it. Let us not be confused. If every single legislator in this country, if every uh, state and local representative, senator, governor, if every United States congressman, senator, Supreme Court judge, president, uh, vice president, secretaries of everything else that there has to be said, if every last one of them was pro-life, and every law on every book in every state outlawed abortion, for those of you that care about that kind of thing, do you think that would solve the problem? No, because some people would still value convenience over life. Some people would still panic. 
and make a self-oriented move rather than an others-centered move? We, again, we have laws against all kinds of things, and it doesn't solve the problem. So let us not be confused. Now I'm speaking to the conservative church that has married a particular party. We don't win if our ballot measures pass. Okay? I had a guy one time from a former church of mine uh, before a very important ballot measure recently. I think it was numbered 36 in the state. Right before that ballot measure came up and uh, Coram Deo had just started, he saw me and we were talking at Starbucks and he said, hey, you got your troops all ready to vote? And I said, man, I haven't even mentioned it to them. And he just about came unglued. I mean, as, this, as if I had, you know, made a goat idol and sacrificed to it. Jeez, dude. And for the next 15 minutes, man, I got the riot act on how America is sliding and it's a slippery slope. And if we're not, if we don't put our foot down now, we can't say, and they're going to win. Then all, next thing you know, so, you know, now a, a gay man can marry another gay man. And next thing you know, that's going to get into the public schools. And then all kinds of things are just going to go, hey, why? And I, I said, hey, dude, uh, hey, my friend. He was an older man, so I tried to show some respect. Actually, I called him by his name. I won't say it out loud. Hey, Frankie. Uh, do you realize, and I said this, and he's like, we've got to win this one. I said, do you realize that we don't win if we pass a law against gay marriage? Do you realize that? That's not a win. I said, do you realize that we don't win until homosexual people repent of their sins and trust Jesus for forgiveness and join the family of God in Christ? Do you realize we don't win until heterosexual fornicators repent of their sins and trust Jesus for forgiveness and join the family of God in Christ? Do you realize we don't win until they're part of our church? They're one of us. But we have to legislate against all those big bad people out there. No, 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 we don't win that way. Because none of that changes the human heart. So the solution to America's trouble is not a political or a legislative solution. It's not a change of government, but it's a change of heart. That's the solution that's needed. So somebody's going to get up behind a podium and debate and yap and yammer and not answer questions and feed lines left and right and they want to talk about change. I don't care. I don't give a rip what party we're talking about. Unless you talk about the human heart, you are not actually talking about the solution to the problem. All right, man. There is part two of the problem with America and the solution for change. In part three, we're going to look at what the solution to the problem actually is. I'll show it to you from Scripture, what we should do about it. really is the one great hope for our country, the one great hope for our world. Uh, thanks again for checking out this episode of the Core Life Training Podcast. Uh, again, there's just a few ways you can connect with us and support what we're doing. If you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on your favorite podcasting service. If you dig it, please leave us a review and tell the world why you love it. Uh, you can go to the website, corelifetraining.org, and join the email list, and we'll keep you up to date on the podcast, as well as upcoming live events that might be near you. And once in a while, we might send you some bonus material, some special episodes, some ebooks, or studies that we happen to be doing. You can also hit the Core Life Training Facebook page and like it. You can follow us on Twitter, at Core Life Trainer. 
And if you're really into the podcast and this stuff is helping you know God, know him better, love him more, understand scripture better, please spread the word, pass it around to your friends, tell them that you dig it, tell them what you like about it. Also, just keep an eye out for upcoming events, upcoming Core Life Training classes that might be in your area or available for you online. All right, that's it for this episode. Thanks again for listening. I'm Jeff Olson, and I teach the Bible. I'll check you later.